Russian artillery pummeled the city. Each explosion bruised his gut with its concussive shock. The Russians had broken down the gates, bombed the airport, and even now tanks ground down the cobbled streets while transport carriers landed on Kaiserstrasse. The main thoroughfare had been converted into a landing strip by parallel rows of flaming oil barrels, adding their smoke to the already choked early morning skies, keeping dawn at bay. Fighting waged in every street, in every home, from attic to basement. Every house a fortress. That had been Gauleiter Hanka's final command to the populace. The city had to hold out as long as possible. The future of the Third Reich depended on it. And on Jakob Sporenberg. Max Schnell, he urged the others behind him. His unit of the Sicherheitsdienst, designation Special Evacuation Commando, trailed him, knee-deep in filthy water. Fourteen men, all armed, all dressed in black, all burdened with heavy packs. In the middle, four of the largest men, former Nordsee dockmen, bore poles on their shoulders, bearing aloft massive crates. There was a reason the Russians were striking this lone city deep in the Sudeten Mountains between Germany and Poland. The fortifications of Breslau guarded the gateway to the highlands beyond. For the past two years, forced labor from the concentration camp of Grossrosen had hollowed out a neighboring mountain peak. A hundred kilometers of tunnels clawed and blasted, all to service one secret project, one kept buried away from prying allied eyes. Deriza, the giant. But word had still spread. Perhaps one of the villagers outside the Wenceslas mine had whispered of the illness, the sudden malaise that had afflicted even those well outside the complex. If only they'd had more time to complete the research. Still, a part of Jakob Sporenberg balked. He didn't know all that was involved with the secret project, mostly just the code name, Kronos. Still, he knew enough. He had seen the bodies used in the experiments. He had heard the screams. Abomination. That was the one word that had come to mind and iced his blood. He'd had no trouble executing the scientists. The sixty-two men and women had been taken outside and shot twice in the head. No one must know what had transpired in the depths of the Wenceslas mine, or what was found. Only one researcher was allowed to live. Dr. Tola Hertzfeld. Jakob heard her sloshing behind him, half dragged by one of his men, wrists secured behind her back. She was tall for a woman, late twenties, small-breasted but of ample waist and shapely legs. Her hair flowed smooth and black, her skin as pale as milk from the months spent underground. She was to have been killed with the others, but her father, Oberarbeitsleiter Hugo Hertzfeld, overseer of the project, had finally shown his corrupted blood, his half-Jewish heritage. He had attempted to destroy his research files, but he had been shot by one of the guards and killed before he could firebomb his subterranean office. Fortunately for his daughter, someone with full knowledge of Die Glocke had to survive, to carry on the work. She, a genius like her father, knew his research better than any of the other scientists. But she would need coaxing from here. Fire burned in her eyes whenever Jakob glanced her way. He could feel her hatred like the heat of an open furnace. But she would cooperate, like her father had before her. Jakob knew how to deal with Juden, especially those of mixed blood. Mischlinge. They were the worst. Partial Jews. There were some hundred thousand Mischlinge in military service to the Reich. 
Jewish soldiers. Rare exemptions to Nazi law had allowed such mixed blood to still serve, sparing their lives. It required special dispensation. Such Mischlinge usually proved to be the fiercest soldiers, needing to show their loyalty to Reich over race. Still, Jakob had never trusted them. Tola's father proved the validity of his suspicions. The doctor's attempted sabotage had not surprised Jakob. Juden were never to be trusted, only exterminated. But Hugo Herzfeld's exemption papers had been signed by the Fuhrer himself, sparing not only the father and daughter, but also a pair of elderly parents somewhere in the middle of Germany. So while Jakob had no trust of the Mischlinge, he placed his full faith in his Fuhrer. His orders had been letter-specific. Evacuate the mine of the necessary resources to continue the work and destroy the rest. That meant spare.